Well, good morning, New Hope. It's good to see you. For those of you new to New Hope, welcome. It's great to have you here. For the regulars, great to have you back. So today we're going to look at something that is very important for all of us in our faith journey, and that's hearing from God. In particular, we'll look at what role we play in hearing from God, how we can position ourselves to make sure that we're not missing what God wants to say to us. Well, how do we know it's important to hear from God? We know it's important because the most influential man who ever lived heard from God regularly. That man, of course, is Jesus. We read in John chapter 12, For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Now, the only way Jesus could say just what the Father told him to say was because he was constantly hearing from God. That was why Jesus' ministry was so effective. And whatever ministry you are in, if you want it to be as effective as God wants you to be, you also need to be hearing from God. Because if Jesus needed to hear from God, we certainly do too. So the material I cover today comes largely from a book by Joyce Meyer called How to Hear from God. Now, there's a lot to hearing from God, so today I'll specifically look at how to create an atmosphere to hear from God. And then in a follow-up message, which will probably be in a month or so, I'll look at the different ways that we hear from God. As we'll see then, the primary way God speaks to us is through his written word, uh, the Bible. And all the other ways he speaks to us will agree with the Bible. But today we'll look at an important starting point, and that's how to create an atmosphere to hear from God. Now, in um, Pastor Ian's previous series, Reasons for Believing. Who enjoyed that series, by the way? Wasn't that a great series? Man, that was just packed full of a ton of great information. And in that series, we looked at the vast evidence for the existence of God, for him creating the universe, including us, and also at the evidence for the truth of the Bible, which testifies to God's infinite power and wisdom. So today, we're not going to recover that ground, but use it as a starting point. So given that God exists and is as powerful and wise as the Bible says he is, and that he knows the future as the Bible tells us he does, and given that he made us and therefore knows us intimately, who is better placed to make a plan for your life, you or God? Any thoughts on that? Yep, I think you all got it right. God is the one. And God does indeed have a plan for your life. In fact, that's point number one. God has a plan for your life. In Jeremiah 29, 11, we read, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So here's a key point. God has a good plan for our lives, a plan much better than anything we will come up with ourselves. But how can we, know the plan? How can we follow that plan if we don't know what the plan is? And how can we follow... How can we know what the plan is if we're not hearing from God. See, we're in danger of going through our entire lives following a man-made plan. Now, this could be our own plan or it could be someone else's plan. You know, many people will have the perfect plan for your life. And this could include well-meaning people like your parents or your friends or your work colleagues. But ultimately, the only opinion that really counts in deciding what you should be doing with your life is God's. But if we're not hearing from God, 
we will end up following a man-made plan in some form or another. Now, Romans 14 verse 12 tells us that each person will someday give an account of his or her life to God. Now, I don't want to get to the end of my life not having followed God's plan for my life, but instead having followed someone else's. That would be an awkward conversation to have. And we don't get to redo it, right? We get one shot at this life, so we need to hear from God. And here's a quote from Joyce Meyer. In fact, this is how she starts the book. She says, The world makes it easy for us to fill our ears with all kinds of things that drown out the voice of God and push him far, far into the background of our lives. However, the day comes for every person when only God remains. Everything else in life eventually passes away. When it does, God will still be there. So listening to God is our decision. No one else can make this decision for us. And God won't force us to listen to him. If we're not listening, he'll not generally shout louder, right? That's not the way he works. Nor will he force us to do his will. Listening to God and doing his will are choices we need to make. So I might be, figuratively speaking, walking towards a cliff in my life, right? It might be a relationship that I'm damaging by my harsh words or not spending enough time with someone. Or it might be a financial cliff that I'm walking towards. I might be spending recklessly or investing the money that God's given me unwisely. Or it might be unity that I'm destroying because I'm gossiping about people. Whatever it is, I'm happily walking along towards this cliff in my life. And God's up there, he has the whole picture. And he's looking down, he says, uh, Gerard, right ahead of you, there's a cliff. Yep, just right ahead of you. And I'm, life is busy, so I'm just trucking along. And God's like, uh, Gerard, yep, right, ahead, right ahead of you, right ahead of you. But if I'm not listening to God, I'm just going to keep on walking along towards that cliff. In the Bible, we read that the Apostle Paul was actually prevented by the Holy Spirit from going certain places. In Acts chapter 16, we read, Paul and his companions traveled through, throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word of God in Asia. When they came to the border of Messiah, they tried to enter Bithynia but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Messiah and went down to Troas. Now, we're not told why they were prevented from going into Bithynia, but I'm confident that... Um, oh, by the way, that's from Acts 16, 6 to 8. I don't think that one's on your outline. Acts chapter 16, verses 6 to 8. Now, we're not told why they were prevented from going into Bithynia, but I'm confident that things would not have gone well for them, for, for them if they'd gone there. But here's the point. If Paul was not hearing from God, he would have missed that guidance. Hearing from God is important. The second point is God wants us to hear from him. And from what I see in scripture, I don't think God wants hearing from him to be something mysterious or convoluted. In fact, I believe he wants it to be very straightforward. In Jeremiah 33 verse 3, we read, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Notice he doesn't say, solve this riddle and I'll answer you. Or jump through these hoops and sign this form in triplicate and I'll answer you. He just says, call to me. God wants us to hear from him. Point number three, God wants to be involved in all aspects of our lives. <clears throat> so God does want to be involved in all aspects, even the smallest details. How do we know this? Well, in Proverbs 3, verse 6, we read, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. 
Now, to acknowledge God is to care what he thinks and to look for his guidance and direction. It is to make what is important to him important to you. So if God wants us to acknowledge him in all our ways, it means he wants us to look to him for guidance and direction in all areas of our lives. And verse 7 goes on to say, do not be wise in your own eyes. In other words, I need to realize that if I refuse God's guidance and try to run my life my own way, I'm going to make a mess of it. Right? Sooner or later, I'll make a mess of it. And in Jeremiah 29, verses 11 to 14, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. From this we see God's divine plan to be intimately involved with all that concerns you. You know, he's not a distant God. So it's God's will for us to know his plan through his divine guidance. He's not trying to keep it a secret. And when we follow God's plan, it leads to abundant life. That's a phrase we um, come across um, in, in divinely inspired books and in the Bible. But what, is, what does that mean? Abundant life. Well, it's life as God meant it to be. Now, it's not trouble-free life. Who knows it's not trouble-free life? Speaking to some friends this week who've had a really rough start to the year. One of them said that she'd like to reboot the year, do a control or delete. That's how rough it's been for her. So it's not trouble-free life, but then God never promised that. In fact, Jesus said that in this world you will have trouble. So we know to expect that. But abundant life is life characterized by deep, unshakable inner peace coupled with great fulfillment and joy. It's life characterized by deep, unshakable inner peace coupled with great fulfillment and joy. Does that sound good to anyone? certainly sounds good to me. So an inner peace that can't be taken from you no matter what chaos life's throwing at you. Financial crisis, relationship crisis, and a great fulfillment. Right? That's, that's what comes when you know that you're doing what God has called you to do in this life. So that's what we mean by abundant life. And this abundant life is what you get when you follow God's plan for your life. Now, the devil doesn't want us to be led by God. Why? Well, he doesn't want us to have that inner peace and fulfillment and joy. When we're led by God, we're taking ground from the devil. We are building the kingdom of God and wrenching people from Satan's grasp. And he really doesn't like that. So he will try to convince us that we are not capable of hearing from God. I want to say to each one of you, don't believe it. Don't believe it for a minute. The truth is every one of us is capable of hearing from God. Now here's a question for you. When we do hear from God, how much do we hear at one time? Any thoughts on that? When we hear from God, how much do we hear at one time? Just enough, yeah, that's right. It's normally one step at a time, right? We generally hear from God one step at a time. In Psalms we read, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Now, a lamp to my feet tells me the next step to take, right? <clears throat> now, we sometimes want the whole picture laid out before us before we do anything. But that's not generally the way God works. He tells us the first step. And once we obey that step, then he tells us the next step. Notice that God only tells us the next step once we've obeyed the first step. So obedience is key to hearing from God. There's another interesting point that Joyce makes in her book. 
God told her that when we are unwilling to hear in one area, it may render us unable to hear in other areas. You know, sometimes we purposely choose to ignore what God is saying to us in particular areas, and this is called selective hearing. If you have children, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Often when we have a problem we want God to solve, we go to God with it and we're all ears as to what he wants to say, what he has to say. But when it's something we don't like, for example, when we sense God is saying to us, uh, yeah, you need to forgive that person for what they did to you, then we you know, cover our ears, oh, I can't hear it, can't hear it, because that's not so nice for us to do. And that's selective hearing. Unfortunately for us, selective hearing doesn't work when it comes to God. So instead of only talking to God when you want or need something, also spend time with him just listening. Just listening to what he has to say. He will reveal many things to you if you will be still before him and simply listen. Which brings me to my next point. To hear God clearly, be still before him. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Who, who here finds it easy to be still for any length of time? I struggle with that. I struggle with that myself. I don't know about you. We generally want to be active doing something, right? We've got all this energy. We want to be doing something. So being still can be quite a challenge. Sometimes I find myself, um, another issue I have is I find myself thinking of other things when I pray. Um, my mind starts to wander and, oh, yeah, I've got to do that. I've oh, got to talk to him. So I'm thinking of all these things. Well, one little trick I use is I keep a pen and paper beside me as I pray. If I think of something, see, if I keep it in my head and my brain knows that's not recorded anywhere else, I have to hang on to it. And that kind of gets in the way of my praying. But if I write it down, my brain says, yep, it's recorded elsewhere. I can let it go. And then I can focus on my prayer. It's just a little uh, trick that works for me. If it works for you, that's great. <clears throat> and the good news is being still before God is something we can get better at with practice. So when you do ask God something, take time to listen. He may not answer right away, but he will answer in his way and in his time. Now, of course, his time is not usually our time. Uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I like to say, God, give me an answer. Just give me an answer. Any time now would be good. And God will answer in his time. And when we look back later, we realize that it was actually the perfect time. We don't usually see that at the time. But when we look back later. Now, in her book, Joyce Meyer recommends a great exercise to practice listening to God, which is to ask God if there is anyone he wants you to encourage or bless and then be still and listen. And to quote Joyce, you will be surprised at how quickly he responds. He will fill your heart with godly thoughts and goals. He will name people who will be blessed by your attention to them, and he may tell you specific things to do to encourage them. He has ideas to present to you that you haven't even considered. Listen carefully to him. Then follow the advice given in John 2 verse 5. Whatever he says to you, do it. So why is it important to hear from God? Well, let's look at some of the key reasons. First of all, understanding the Bible. The Father will give the gift of the Holy Spirit to all who ask for him. That's from Luke eleven thirteen, And the Holy Spirit will help us understand the Bible so we know how to apply it in our lives. From John fourteen twenty six. Secondly, preparing for the, for the future. The Holy Spirit gives the message to us that has been given to him from the Father. He announces and declares to us things that will happen in the future. <clears throat> John 16, verse 13. Thirdly, for revelation. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 5, it teaches us not to put our faith in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, verse 11 says that 
no one discerns the thoughts of God except for the Spirit of God. So if the Holy Spirit knows the hidden thoughts of God, it's vital for us to know how to hear what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us. And fourth, for individual direction. See, the Holy Spirit knows not just the mind of God, but also God's individual plan for you, for each one of you. And this plan is truly unique to you, so it won't work to try to adopt somebody else's plan for their life. Even though it's from God, it's for them, it's not for you. So God has a unique plan for you, and the Holy Spirit will, will reveal that to you. Now, that's not an exhaustive list, but so, those are some of the reasons it's important to hear from him. So hearing from God is important. Now, one of the keys to hearing from God is to create an atmosphere that is conducive to hearing from him. Well, what do we mean by atmosphere? By that, Joyce is referring to the climate, environment, or predominant mood that surrounds us. Atmosphere is created by attitudes, right? Certain attitudes contribute to a positive atmosphere. Other attitudes will absolutely destroy a positive atmosphere, right? They'll create a negative atmosphere. For example, if we surround ourselves with an attitude of disharmony or conflict, we create an atmosphere that shuts God out. The same goes for an attitude of disrespect, pride, or disobedience. If there's chaos and conflict in your home, don't expect it to be easy to hear from God. Work towards a peaceful atmosphere. Now, this is not a one-time thing. Atmospheres, just like your car, they can degrade over time if not maintained. So we need to keep working at it. In Romans 12, verse 18, we read, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So to consistently enjoy God's presence in our lives, there are several attitudes we must create and maintain, and we'll look at these in turn. First of all, keep a listening attitude. Now, it may sound incredibly obvious, but listening is important to hearing. Imagine if someone asks you a question and then doesn't wait for your answer. It'd be kind of frustrating, right? Well, I think God encounters those sorts of listeners all the time. How do I know this? Well, I'm one of them. I think I do this to God a lot. I'm getting better at listening, but I still have a long way to go. In Hebrews 5, verse 11, it shows us that we will miss out on learning important spiritual truths if we don't have a listening attitude. Concerning this, we have much to say which is hard to explain since you have become dull in your spiritual hearing and sluggish, even slothful, in achieving spiritual insight. So how do we avoid becoming dull in our spiritual hearing? Well, we need to make hearing from God a habit. That means seeking him not just when we're in trouble and we need some divine help to bail us out of some situation, but just seeking him on a regular basis. It's like anything, you know, practice makes perfect, or at the very least, practice makes improvement, practice results in improvement. Seeking God regularly sharpens your spiritual hearing. Here's a question for you, though. If we do hear a voice, how do we know it is from God and not from some other source? There are lots of voices out there. Well, one key way to distinguish God's voice from other voices is knowledge of God's character. For example, God is honest, and so would never tell me to do something dishonest. Once I went to a fast food restaurant for lunch with some work colleagues, and after I ordered and got back to my seat, I realized that I'd been undercharged. Now, at that point, if I thought I heard God telling me to keep the extra money, I would have known this message was not, in fact, from God, because what the voice was saying did not line up with God's character, in this case, his honesty. <clears throat> so we need to be familiar with God's character traits so we're better able to discern whether or not a voice we're hearing is lining up with God's character. 
So what are these character traits? Well, God is faithful, true, gentle, loving, kind, patient. He's just, he's honest, and the list goes on. Well, how do we discover them all? Get into his word, right? Study God's word, and you will, you will come across all of God's character traits. By the way, I went up to pay the money. When I got back to my seat, my work colleagues thought I'd missed a great opportunity. One of them said, what are you doing? You could have got away with it. I said, no, I want to avoid the lightning bolts from God. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> but knowing God and knowing his character will help you distinguish the voices that come to you, telling you whether they are God's, your own, or the enemy's. Now, when we talk about hearing from God, it doesn't involve our physical ears, but instead uses our spiritual ears. And God refers to this in Matthew 13, verses 9 to 16. He was talking about the spiritual ears we are given when we are born into the kingdom of God. These spiritual ears are the ones tuned in to the voice of God. To hear from God effectively, you also need to listen to him with expectancy. There should be an attitude of anticipation when we're ready to literally drop whatever we're doing to listen to God if he speaks to us. You know, say you're out there mowing the lawns and you're running out of daylight, so you just want to finish it quick. <clears throat> and then God speaks to you. If you sense him wanting to speak to you right then, just stop what you're doing and listen, because really the lawns can wait. You know, at the end of your life, you're not going to look back and say, you know what, I wish I'd taken better care of my lawns. But you may well wish that you'd spent more time listening to God. So keep a listening attitude. Number two, keep an attitude that honors God. So an attitude that invites the presence of God into our lives is honoring God above all others. So we need to have an attitude that says that what he has to say is of greater importance and takes precedence over anything that man says. If we ask God about something, hear from him, and then go ask somebody else what they think. This is not honoring God because it's treating his opinion as either second-rate and untrustworthy, or it's treating it as not our final authority with the idea that, yeah, I can take it or leave it. But this is God's opinion. It should be nothing but the highest authority in our lives. Now, God gave us the Holy Spirit so we could be individually led by him. You know, in the old covenant, they had a priest and everybody had to go to the priest to, to actually hear from God. Well, we don't live under that covenant anymore. We can go directly to God ourselves. In Jeremiah 17, verses 5 to 7, we read, This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man. That's kind of strong language who depends on flesh for his strength, his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. God is saying we are not to make human flesh our strength. And Jesus modeled this clearly for us. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus told the disciples, you probably know this story, he told his disciples that it was necessary for him to suffer many things and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. When Peter heard this, he took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Imagine that, rebuking God. Not too bright. But look at Jesus' response in verse 33. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Notice that Jesus paid no attention to the thinking of men, to human wisdom. In fact, as we see in that verse, he rejected this thinking forcefully. Instead, he was entirely focused on doing what God said. 
to put ourselves in a position to hear God's voice, we need to honour his words above all others. And the more we make that honouring of God's words the established norm for our lives, the easier it will, it will be for us to hear from God. So keep an attitude that honours God. Now we must also keep an attitude of faith. Number three, keep an attitude of faith. When God speaks a word to us, there may be unbelief from those around us, even opposition. But we must maintain faith in, in what God tells us, even if no one else believes it with us. Now the Apostle Paul had been persecuted persecuting Christians for years before encountering Jesus on the road to Damascus. So from a human perspective, he was an extremely unlikely candidate to be chosen by God to preach the gospel. And he knew what the reaction to his ministry would be, so he wrote in Galatians 1, but when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was but I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. So he didn't go to Jerusalem to consult the spiritual heavyweights, right? the, the established apostles. He was certain of God's call on his life. He had faith in that call. And he knew very well there was no turning back, right? no going back to his old way of life. So he consulted no one, but instead kept God's word in his heart and let it grow for a period of time. And then he started doing what God had called him to do. And it soon became clear to others that his calling must have been from God because Paul finished by saying, and they glorify God as the author and source of what had taken place in me, from Galatians chapter 1. By that time, there was no doubt that God was behind Paul's ministry. So Paul did not consult them or try to get their approval up front. He simply went ahead with what God had called him to do. If God has called you to do something, keep in mind that the people around you may doubt your calling. Remember, they are not the ones who've heard from God about it. So they're looking at things from a human perspective. And as a result, it may sound illogical, downright crazy, what you were saying that God has called you to do. So they might not be behind it. In fact, there may be opposition, even strong opposition. And this can come from those closest to you, including your family members. Explain to them that you believe you've heard from God. But don't think that you need to get to the point of winning them over, to, to the point of, <clears throat> of convincing them it's a great idea before moving forward. Don't let their doubt stop you from fulfilling God's call on your life. Okay? Don't let their doubt stop you from fulfilling God's call on your life. If I get to the end of my life and God says to me, ah, so Gerard, you know that um, parenting ministry I called you to? Yeah, I noticed you didn't do that. Why was that? Gulp. What do you say to that? Right? There's no good answer. Don't let their doubt stop you from fulfilling God's call in your life. Standing firm regarding our call from God, despite whatever opposition we face, requires faith. So keep an attitude of faith. Another attitude that directly influences, influences our ability to hear from God is an attitude of patience. As humans, you know, we can get all fired up about something and charge off in some direction. But we will hear from God much more clearly if we have resolved to not rush ahead and to not act on our fleshly desires and emotions. We will be blessed if we wait to make sure we've heard from God before we proceed, even before we take the first step. And it helps greatly, I've found, to have made this a conscious decision ahead of time so that when the situation arises and emotions are high, you've already thought about it. You already have a plan for how you'll handle the situation. So that way you don't need to come up with a plan in the heat of the moment. 
they're planning ahead works great for other things as well too, by the way, like um, deciding which charities you'll give to in a certain year, where when people come knocking on your door, you've already got an idea in mind of who you will give to and who you won't. The reality is that emotions rise and fall, and the energy we get from emotions will not take us where God wants us to go. What we need is Holy Spirit energy. This not only energizes us, but also guides us in the right direction. So God has a plan and purpose for every person in the world, and this plan involves specific timing, God's timing. Now, the following passage illustrates the patience that we need. And in this passage, there is what could be described as the personification of a character attribute. In this case, wisdom. So it is as if wisdom is a person who's speaking. This is from Proverbs chapter 8. Blessed is the man who listens to me. That's wisdom. Watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But whoever fails to find me harms himself. All who hate me love death. Notice the phrase, waiting at my doorway. When we move ahead of God's timing, we can miss what he's trying to do in our lives. In fact, when we rush ahead, instead of waiting for him, we can get ourselves into trouble because when we rush ahead, we fail to find God. And as the passage says, whoever fails to find me harms himself. So we need to keep an attitude of patience. Last but not least, we need to have an attitude of obedience. In the Gospel of John, we read, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, that's the key. God delights in the atmosphere of our obedience. Clearly, it doesn't do much good to hear from God if we're not going to do what he says. And this doesn't mean picking and choosing which parts of what God says to obey. You know, ah, this bit sounds easy. Yep, I'll do that. Uh, But this bit here, well, that will require me to swallow my pride and apologize to this person, so I'm not going to do that. And we talked before about selective hearing. Well, selective obedience also doesn't cut it with God. We must obey fully, because that's when God's anointing can flow through our lives. So hearing from God is not just for a select few. It's for every believer. We've seen that God wants to talk to us. I believe what God wants hearing from him to be the norm in our lives, not the exception. In fact, I think he wants to talk to us more than we want to listen to him. In his great love for us, he wants to guide us through our lives. Let's bow our heads. Father, help us to have a listening attitude so we are alert to your spiritual truths. Help us, Lord, to make seeking you a habit so our spiritual ears are always tuned to you. Help us, Lord, also to honor your voice above every other voice in our lives, recognizing that your opinion is completely trustworthy and based on a wisdom that far surpasses any earthly wisdom. May your voice, Lord, be the final authority in our lives. And help us, Lord, to keep an attitude of faith so that no matter what others think and no matter what opposition we face, we trust what you have told us and that you will bless our efforts if we follow your leading. Help us, Lord, to to not rush ahead of your timing, but instead to be patient, waiting for your step-by-step guidance. And Lord, help us to be obedient, not picking and choosing what to obey, but being fully obedient to everything that your core on our lives involves, knowing that that is when your anointing will flow through our lives. We've seen today that God wants to speak to you. 
And if you've yet to give your life to Christ, the first thing he wants to say to you is, come to me. You see, God is waiting with open arms. Right now, right where you're sitting, just pray a simple prayer. Jesus, I haven't followed you so far in my life, and I want to change that now. I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I choose now to turn away from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In your name I pray. Amen. And if you've just prayed that prayer, please let us know on the communication card, and we'd love to send you a pack of information to help you follow up on that decision. God bless.